0: So, uh, man, it's day two of our weekend with Matt and Dez. And, um, man, if you don't know them, if it's your first time with us uh, or hearing them, they're just an amazing couple. They're amazing friends of of uh, Raquel and I, and, and they're a foundational piece of CORE Church and who we are now. Uh, they've been there um just as mentors and best friends through this whole transition that we've been through, uh, for the last five years, four years, something like that. Um, and the cool thing is, is that he's, uh, Matt and Des both flow in, uh, prophetic. They both, uh, flow in words of knowledge and and just all kind of crazy, you know, all that good stuff that God does to kind of shake us up a little bit. So, um, uh, have your phone ready in case he starts to tell you a word, man. Uh, and I do want to point out one thing. Uh, Dan McCullum, I believe, Dano said that Matt Gonzalez was the Hispanic Sean Bolts. And I haven't told Dano to his face, but i told a whole bunch of people, that's not actually true. Sean Bowles is the white Matt Gonzalez. And... Uh, yeah, I hope to tell him that one day. You better get that right, you know. But anyway, uh, man, let's 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 give God a hand for bringing our family from California over. So, Matt, come on. Yeah. Oh, I'll get the I'll get the deal in a second. I need to make sure that if you, I think y'all are going to do some dual stuff. So uh, tomorrow. Oh, tomorrow. Okay. Well, if you get this one. You don't get the yellow one because you're you're pretty loud. Okay. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I am loud.
1: Oh, how are you guys doing tonight? You guys, How many of you guys were here last night? Raise your hand. How many of this is your first time tonight? Oh, awesome How many times is your first time to this church? Awesome, awesome. Well welcome. Welcome, welcome. Welcome visitors. You know, I, I, there's nothing like family. I love what Chris was saying, and, and uh, it's cool because we have some uh, family in the house, too. We have some of our great friends, Sarah and Michael, who are just some of the most amazing people that you can meet. And uh, we go back, We even with Sarah. Sarah was actually the, one of the first students in our school ministry years ago. I mean, moved all the way from Romania. She was a missionary at the time in Romania and came to be part of our school. And, uh, you know, uh, I know family's kind of become like a buzzword in church now. It's starting to become a buzzword. And, uh, and uh, the thing about family is you can't, you can't have the kingdom of God without having family. Like, they're not supposed to be separate. They're supposed to be so intertwined. Because when God birthed the message of the kingdom in the New Testament, uh, there was so much language that Jesus could have used to explain God in the Old Testament. Right? You have Elohim, the God who creates all these different names. But yet he comes, and and I'll put it this way. If God wanted something different than family, he would have caused Jesus to have us call God something different than Father. Okay, just, just sit on that for a little bit, right? He's God the Father, right? We're sons and daughters, there's family. But one of the things I want to say about this whole concept of family and kingdom is that we have to get this thing right, because many times I'm even seeing now as we travel that family's becoming a buzzword. Or in some circles of churches, family became almost like a curse word to you because the only time you heard family is when you're on your way out. It's like you're about to leave church. Well, why you leave? I thought we were family. Well, you ain't never said family until I'm about to leave. I didn't know we was family, but now you're telling me we're family. Maybe I would have stayed if you would have said we were family a long time ago. And then the other side of that coin, especially family, is that we use the word family as a buzzword, but we don't really understand the depth of what that really means. See, can I tell you family is not developed in agreement? Okay, oh no, 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 you need to hear it. Family is not developed in agreement because if family was only based on the agreement, then when we disagree, we're no longer family. Anybody else have disagreements in their family? But you're still family. The depth of development of family is not in this. Uh, it's not in agreement. It's actually developed in the trenches. Oh, I don't know if you got that. The nature of family is developed in shared experience, community, but also fighting together for something and towards something. And I say that because you know, Sarah, we became family because man, she were We were in the trenches. And here's the thing about family. When you're in true family, you don't care if they see you as you are. Right? There ain't no hide. How many know we hide in church many times? I think some of the greatest performances happen in most churches in America. Like, I don't think Hollywood, I don't think they should have Hollywood, like, Oscars for, like, all oh, Hollywood. I think they should have Oscars for churches. Because we do some of the best performances. Like, we're going through hell. Right. We're in the midst of going through hell. We show up. Hey, brother, how you doing? Well, praise the Lord. God is good. I'm doing amazing. And yet we're over here suffering, can't pay our bills. Our marriage is upside down, but like I'm doing good. Right. And we we know how to perform. We know how to act. We know how to put the face on. We know how to when to praise the Lord, when to shout, when to sit down, when to stand up. And we, that's religion. You understand it, right? Knowing how to do everything, that's religion. But it's not family. And it's impossible to have family in religion. It's impossible. Because true family, you can't perform. When I'm in family, I'm saying, this is me. Now, I'm not the final product. But this is me, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And because we're in family, because I mean, you know, Jesus knows the good, bad, and the ugly. And he accepts you. <laughs> so family, right? If, if, if we really are family in church, then it's all right that so and so we can see the good, bad, and the ugly. I got to tell you what, Sarah's been fast. She saw my good, my bad, and my ugly. I went through some stuff. And this is how you know, family, when they see you're ugly, they don't run. Oh, boy. That's true, family. When they see you're ugly, they don't run. Because we have to, under, we have to get away from the this. See, oh, I, 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 don't, I wasn't planning to talk about it. I need to go after this. You know, one of the, can I, just, can I get on my soapbox? Is that right? Like, I love the entrepreneurship that the church is discovering right now. But we're taking principles from the world that aren't kingdom and saying that they're kingdom. Like, I'll give you one. In the business world and in the world in general, there is a concept, because the world doesn't know any better, that you have to be the best. So it's a doggy doc world, right? Doggy doc, right? You have to be the best. That's not kingdom, but I see it in entrepreneurship in the body of Christ right now. Because in the kingdom, God said, I don't want you to be the best. I want you to give your best. Oh, I don't know if you got that. Big, big difference. You don't have to be the best. I just want you to give your best. I gave my best. I bankrupt heaven for you. I gave the best. I just want you to give your best, not be the best. Because when we stamp be the best, we stamp that, 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 that concept That really is from the enemy because he wanted to be the best in heaven. Got him kicked out. All right? He wanted to be the best. And we we, we accept that. We say, that's kingdom. Oh, boy. Now we have sons and daughters who are going to have a hard time being in family because now they're competing against one another. And if I have that in my DNA, I can't father you no more because now you're my competition. I'm going to take off in on that one. I can't father you because if at the core of my belief is kingdom, that I have to be the best, then you can't surpass me. And that's against the message that Jesus brought. That I must go to the father because the things I do, you will do and greater. So, Jesus was saying, I'm not the lid. I'm actually the beginning. I'm the great I am. I'm the beginning. I'm not the lid. I'm not your lid. I'm your father. Come on. I'm your friend. (laughs) But I'm not your lid. I'm actually your example. Oh, 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 does anybody see the difference right now? Because there's a lot of stuff out there that's being labeled kingdom, and it ain't kingdom. Because we need fathers and mothers. I'm sorry. I love mentorship. But in the kingdom, mentorship looks like fathers and mothers raising up sons and daughters. And sons and daughters now becoming fathers and mothers. Oh, but if I'm the lid, guess what? You stay an orphan. <laughs> Man, I wasn't planning on talking. I don't know what y'all did, but y'all just set something up. You said family, and it was over. Like, something just went off in the room. Like, some, I'm serious, y'all. Like, we, we talk about that, but what we, we're family. Right? We're not all going to agree, but that's all right. Because the depth of family is not found in agreement. It's actually in disagreement that it's an invitation to go deeper. (laughs) Oh boy. See, religion has domesticated us to think that if we disagree, we no longer can belong. That means a lot of the disciples were disqualified for following Jesus because they didn't agree with everybody. Matter of fact, they didn't agree to such an extent. They wanted to call down fire and kill people. (laughs) Like, oh, no, we don't agree with this. Jesus, can we call down fire? And there's still churches doing that. There's people in church like, we don't agree with that church over there. Can we call down fire on them? Because they don't believe like us. They don't got the Holy Spirit. They ain't got the gifts. They ain't got that. They ain't got this. And we may not be calling physical fire, but we're cursing them with our mouth. (laughs) And we're like wondering why folks who don't know Jesus don't want to come to church. Because it's like, man... I can get the same thing you guys are doing out there. And yet I feel like I'm still having more fun out there than in here. Oh, because I'll just be, can I be honest with you? I'll just be honest. I got friends that I grew up with that aren't Christians that have been more loyal to me than some Christians. And that's not supposed to be. And family, I mean, come on, y'all. Let's just do this, okay. Let's just be honest. How many of you in here at some point in your church experience have been hurt by someone in church? Raise your hand. Look around. If I could, I would levitate right now. Put both hands up and both feet up. Right? So it's so crucial in the season that we're heading as the body of Christ That we truly become family and we truly understand what kingdom is. And we don't separate them because the moment, like I said, you separate family from kingdom, you're left with an organization rather than a living organism. So whenever there's kingdom, but not family, it's an organization. It's not a living organism. All right, smile break. Everybody show those pearly whites. Some of you guys got them pearly yellows. You'll rock with them. It's all right. Come on. So family is the Father's heart. And if you have family at the core, then actually the message of the kingdom looks less like trying to get people saved. And actually trying to get them born again. I don't know if you caught that. It looks like the gospel looks less like I got to get somebody to believe in Jesus and don't go to hell. And it looks more like we found daddy. And he's so much better than you can imagine or think. Let me introduce you to him because he's been looking for you and you've been looking for him. (laughs) <laughs> now, which one do you want to be a part of? <laughs> oh, man, I, have a, I think I spoke here before. I'm not going to do it tonight. But there's this whole message that it's a life message about the difference between fathers and CEOs in church. We have a lot of CEOs leading church, but we don't have many fathers. That's why I'm so thankful for this house, because you have a father and mother in this house. How do you know? Because you can feel family in here. I don't feel that everywhere I go. But how many know family, it's going to cost you something. Because you got to get in the trenches. You have to actually work things out. Right? Family isn't always the most glorious thing. Right? And that's why many people don't want to be part of family because it's not sexy, per se some of y'all just got offended by that word, dang. <laughs> right? It's not glorious. It takes work. It means you have to work through stuff. You actually have, it means you actually have to have relationship with people. And that's scary, especially if you've been hurt by somebody. But can I give you hope? Like, if you've been hurt in a relationship, you can't be healed by just one prayer. Because the nature of this is that if you've been hurt in a relationship, you're going to receive healing through a relationship. So many times we avoid the very thing that we've been hurt by because we've been hurt by it, and I understand that God put the breakthrough in that to be healed. (laughs) The body of Christ is self-healing. Oh, I don't know if you got that. The body of Christ is self-healing. Yeah. That's why the enemy fights so hard for you to be disconnected from community. Because if you could do it on your own, you would have done it on your own a long time ago. But I've realized in my this September will be 20 years of full-time ministry for me in deaths. 20 years. I mean, I'm like, wow, that's that's wild. 20 years. And in that time, I've learned that many times God will hide my breakthrough in somebody in my community or somebody who I call a grace grower. What's a grace grower? Well, grace growers are those ones in your life that you don't either like their personality. You, you, don't, you, you just don't like them. They get on your nerves. Maybe they've come from a different background. You're just like, man, so-and-so is so annoying. Well, maybe there are grace growing in your life to grow some grace in you and to get breakthrough. I mean, I mean the disciples didn't get along. <laughs> Yet they were still family. Come on. Man, when I said that grace grower thing, some of you all went, ah. Right? We need those people in our lives. We really do. Because if we all look alike, we'll never attain fullness, and yet he promises fullness. And the fullness of Christ many times, some of the aspects are going to come from people who are not like you, and don't look like you, and don't speak like you, and don't think like you. It's funny how we want diversity, but we don't want to be diverse. I'm just keeping it real now. Y'all, there's there's chains breaking off tonight. I can see it. See, we we want diversity, but we don't want to be diverse. (laughs) We don't want to take time to get in someone else's life and find out about their culture. Because we like ours too much. It's our safety net. See, I'm convinced that at some point, every believer should try to go on a mission trip. Go overseas because it'll knock that American culture out of you. And I, I love America, don't get me wrong. But the kingdom of God is bigger than America. That'll preach right there. Like God's first language is not English. Did you know that? Because I believe when we begin to experience other people's culture, we become deeper family because you're in a family that's bigger than your culture. Like, do you, I mean, some, some most of our churches we have a belief system. We may not say this, but we believe that heaven's going to look like America, and when we get there, we're going to be shocked. Like, hear my heart. I love America. I'm I'm, I'm American. I'm not, I don't hate my, like, we have so much. When you travel overseas, you begin to find out how much freedom we really do have here. I mean, it, it's, it's amazing, y'all. But at the same time, our culture that of freedom really has imprisoned us, too, from learning about other cultures and other people. I mean, I was watching a, a documentary on Netflix, and it was on uh, Chicano culture. And man, something came alive in me. I was like, it's my people. And it came alive in me. And I was like, wow, we're such a beautiful people. And you know, what I realized in that, you know what I realized in that moment watching that documentary? It wasn't even a Christian documentary. I'm not going to hell for that either, so. <laughs> because God can speak through a donkey. He can speak through anything. And so I'm watching this, and God's saying, see, this is where your passion and heritage for family came from. It's in your DNA. Whoo, man, I'm getting messed up. And yet every... Culture on this earth carries a piece of heaven in its DNA that we will never see unless we allow ourselves to be understanding and learn from other cultures. Oh, it's beautiful. I mean, why, why, why settle? If we, if we have a box of crayons right here, why are you going to settle for just a black and white one? Like the rest of your life, just use a black and white crayon. When you have access to all these beautiful colors that are vivid and amazing. All the artists in here, you know, when you paint, when you do, you're not just going to choose one or two colors. I mean, you could just, I mean, you have... Oh, man, y'all. I'm coming alive right now. In this room, I'm looking around, and it's just, this room looks like heaven. You'll be surprised. I go to churches where. Y'all would just keep it that way. And and, and hear my heart. And. It's because no one wants to step out and get to know their neighbor. (laughs) We don't want to share our family experience here with others out there. (laughs) I mean, think about it. When's the last time that, and I'm just saying to you, please, you may be this person, so that's awesome, but there's a lot of people in church that don't even talk to their neighbors. Right. You know what I love about Chris that's so contagious? I got to brag on him. He ain't going to like this, but I, I, I want to brag on him. He knows everybody. <laughs> We're at breakfast today, and everybody who works in that restaurant knows him. <laughs> and some people would be like, oh, man, that's just the favor of God in his life. Yeah, he has favor. But you know what I watch? Time? I mean, we've been here like, I don't know. We've known you guys for, what, three or four years now? And every time we come here, like, I watch when we go out how he just talks to people. Simple conversation. And it's just simply it maybe encouraging somebody. Right? And, and you know what people, some Christians will do? Well, that's his personality. Now, I do believe some people have more charismatic personalities But if we truly have the love of God, the love of God in us causes us to want to love other people. (laughs) Now, you may not be the personality. I, I just can't go talk to a stranger. I'm not trying to put a bondage on you. But what I am trying to say is that we got to take time to get to know people in our community. I mean... There's every attack of the enemy right now to separate us. You understand that? It's an attack of the enemy to separate, whether through a virus, through the economy, through race. I mean, every attack right now is to separate us. And if we would just realize that the attack is to separate us, then it would actually bring us together. And it would actually backfire on the enemy. Because he wants to separate us. I want you to get afraid of someone else's health. I want you to get afraid of their skin color. I want you to get afraid of their political belief. I mean, it's all fear to get you afraid of one another. But do we really believe that perfect love casts out fear? That all we need is one person in the group to bring love, and then fear begins to go. (laughs) But when you have a bunch of fearful Christians... What happens? We don't operate in love, we operate in control. Because when you're operating in fear, there's always control mechanisms that we use to keep ourselves safe. Not really that love was the antidote. love was the actual blessing that actually not only keeps us together, but sets us free. And it's perfect love that casts out fear. You know what perfect love is? It's the love that you can't sum up on your own, that you have to be given from him. And he fills your tank so you can give it out to more and others. It says perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. And how many people do we have tormented in America right now because of fear? Torment is happening in America right now. We may not, no, no, yes, it is. People are tormented. There are more people having anxiety, stress, worry than ever before. The statistics are rampant because fear torments. <laughs> it imprisons us. It, keeps us. it keeps us separate. Now, hear what I'm saying. I'm not saying that we, we don't use wisdom in areas. Right? Right? Oh, man. Let me give you some wisdom. I'll, I'll tell you what wisdom looked like. When, when, the, when COVID first started hitting at our church in back when we were still on staff, um, I chose that I was not going to wear a mask. But I knew that there were, and the reason I didn't want to wear a mask is I have enough faith for myself that I believe God's my keeper. Okay. Now, I've had to develop that faith muscle. Not just saying I just have that. But, I have say, but love looks like this. If somebody in our church feels the need to wear a mask and want me to wear a mask, for the sake, I'll wear a mask because I understand that their faith level is not where it's mine is. And I don't look down upon that because I once was where they were. You hear what I'm saying, right? Faith is not arrogant. Faith is masked in humility. And so if I have to humble myself for the sake of somebody else, I'll do it because Christ did it. And yet we have Christianity that we're seeing the bad side of our arrogance. I don't care. Screw you. I've heard these, like, Vaccine. I'm just using one of the examples that's, that's present, right? Nah, I don't care. I don't really care what you think. Like, this is my freedom. This is my freedom. <laughs> and we're actually walking in arrogance, not even realize is it really freedom? Because true freedom doesn't just affect you. It affects everybody around you. Oh, man, we, I, I feel that whoop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Come back, Jesus. Come back. <laughs> but it's something that we have to work at. Remember I told you I'm talking about warfare? I'm talking about warfare. But it's warfare that we're not seeing. Now, let me give you... Can I tell you what the enemy's doing right now? Who wants to know? Okay, we're we done. No one wants to know. So I, oh, you wanna, okay, good. One person wants to know. That's good. It's good enough for me. <laughs> you know, I'm just messing with y'all. Two things. I'm going to talk about more about this tomorrow. But two things I've seen in 2020 that there was an, there's been an attack on. Hope and confidence. And we're going to talk about the confidence piece tomorrow, but hope right now. And you've heard the scripture, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But what does that really mean? See, when we deny hope, the result is life is sapped and it produces death because that word actually means to make sick. Deferred means to make sick, tired, wounded, or weak. So when it says Hope deferred, that word deferred, I'm sorry, the word sick, I'm sorry, not deferred. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. That word sick means to make sick, tired, wounded, or weak. So hope deferred makes the heart sick. It's not a promise, but it's a warning. But it goes on, the second part says, a desire realized is the tree of life. Do you know the word tree of life is only found in three places in Scripture? Genesis, Proverbs, and Revelation. What was, what is, and what is to come? I don't know if you got that. See, I had a dream. It reminded me of when I was in San Diego, and I had this give this message. I had a dream, and then the dream was three different dreams, and I was in prison, and I was watching because what I was watching was I was in this prison cell, and all these prisoners, the doors were open, but they were acting like they were shut. And then it goes to the next scene. And in the next scene, we're in a jungle and people are starving, but there's these trees of life and there's fruit, but they can't see the fruit. And then in the next scene of this dream, I'm in a DMV and licenses are being handed out to people. And so the interpretation of that dream Really had to do what people's current identity is blinded them to the access of the fruit and inheritance that they have availability to. Because I mean no, your driver's license gives you it identifies you, but it gives you the ability and permission to drive a vehicle. And many times vehicle represents destiny. So you understand your identity is actually the doorway to your destiny. Oh, boy. And what's happening right now is we have many Christians that are trying to find their destiny, and yet God's trying to upgrade their identity. So they're looking for their destiny, but he's saying, no, it's in your identity. I'm preaching to myself tonight. No, I'm sorry. I'm getting breakthrough. You don't even know I'm getting breakthrough. Because God is trying to upgrade... Your identity in this season that's actually going to point out the direction of your new destiny. <laughs> because your identity, like we talked about last night, not only gives you authority, because that word authority, you can't have authority without having an author. And that word authority actually means authorship. So, who's your author? What does the Bible says? Your author is God. And he says who you are. So the moment you actually agree with who you are, you not only move in power by his name, but you actually move in authority because of your identity. That's why I know a lot of people whose lives are jacked up and they're seeing the power of God in their life because he will always move in power according to his name but he won't function in authority in their life because they don't know who they are. And that happens. We have people who experience that, have an encounter with the power of God, but yet they never get set free because we're not free because you get freedom from understanding who you are. And I know, I know places that we go to churches That their main message is identity, but yet they got tons of people in prison. Why? (laughs) Because it's not activated identity, it's only identification. I got the word, I got my license, but I ain't got a car. What good is it to be all dressed up and have nowhere to go? I remember back in the day, I serious, back in the day, one of, one of the things I hate, hated the most is I didn't have a car. I had a license, but my boys would always take me somewhere, and I'm all dressed up waiting to go, and then you get the call, hey, we ain't going out tonight. <laughs> Bruh, are you serious? Man, I just got a new fit, and it's, man, it's, it's busting, man. It, it's amazing. And I ain't got nowhere to go. Des did that one to me one time, but we ain't going to talk about that. (laughs) I'm like, I'm all dressed up, I got nowhere to go. And that's a picture of the body of Christ right now. We're all dressed up, but we don't know where we're going. Right? It's a must right now that we understand this season that we're in right now. That this authority and freedom is coming from our identity right now. That's going to lead to our destiny. Come on, somebody. But identity is only as powerful as what you believe and use. If you don't believe who God says you are, I've said this many times here, and I'll say it again. How I see myself and many times how God sees me are totally different. There's a war, because many times I see myself through the lens of the world, but he sees himself, I mean, he sees me through the lens of how he created me. And so if I don't see myself the way God sees me, I will always misinterpret my conversations with him, because when he talks to me, he doesn't talk to me the way I see myself, he talks to me the way he created me. And so every conversation he has with me is to pull me up into the place of how he sees me, not how I see myself. So what, ha- what would happen if in church, in family, we actually talk to each other the way God talks to us? Oh, I don't know if you got that. That, through, that. that we would actually believe Scripture, that we no longer see anybody according to the flesh. <laughs> but we would see with the eyes of prophetically who they were created to be and talk to them like that to pull them up, even though they may not see that. Whew, I'm getting convicted right now. I don't know about anybody, anybody else getting convicted. I'm getting convicted. And see the way God created them and speak to them to call them up, not to call them out. Right? And if we did it in such a way, what would happen? Maybe we would see more heaven evade our surfaces by accident than on purpose. Because we would start having people in the midst of us actually walking out who God created them to be. And not us putting them in prison in the box of what we think they are. Oh. <laughs> Man, I, I, we're going a different way tonight. I don't even know, but you good with this? I'm going to get to the point what I said. Don't worry. I'm not trying to go on a bunch of rabbit trails, but I feel like God is saying something right now. There's a theme. There's a theme. Remember, when it comes to our identity, you have. <laughs> I'll put it this way. Let me give you a practical. My name is Matt Gonzalez. My last name connects me to my family, but it's my first name that defines me. Okay. I know Christians who walk around saying, I'll put it this way. I've taught on identity in pastor's conferences. And I've had pastors say, I already know this. And so I, one pastor, I remember saying, well, what do you do? As an example. He goes, What do you mean? I go, Well, I'm sorry, I didn't say, What do you, what do, you do? I go, Who are you? And he goes, well I'm, well, I'm a pastor. No, I, I said, Who are you? You told me what you do. And he kept telling me what he did, what he did, what he did, what he did. I go, No, no, who are you? I said, You keep telling me what you do, but you're not telling me who you are. And then, this is what I, I, I began to see and discover. <laughs> Oh boy. In the midst of that, we begin to lose ourselves because we're so tied to performance and what we do that we never discover who we really are. And so when the thing that we do is taken from us, we go into a crisis because we feel we're, we're losing ourselves. Oh. I'm preaching to myself right now. Right? You feel like you're losing yourself because what you used to do is tied to who you thought you were. And then what happens when everything you've done gets stopped by a pandemic?
0: <laughs>
1: Did you forget who you are? That's the question tonight. Did you forget who you are? He hasn't and who are you? See, the two most important questions you will ever answer in your life is who is God and who are you? And you have to get in that order because if you discover who you are before discovering who God is, you'll always settle to bring God down to who you are. Oh, no, I don't know if you got that. If we discover who we are before discovering who God is, then we'll bring God down to our level. But when we discover who God is, we then begin to discover who we are because we are created in his image and likeness. So when we discover who he is, see, many of you guys in this church, you guys have been learning that God's not angry God. And what's happened, some of you guys have become less angry (laughs) because you thought the image you saw was actually the image you were created in. And the image of God that is created for you will always become the image that you become. So we have to discover who God is to understand who we are. Because when I see God, I understand I look like God. Now hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that I am God, but I was created in his image and likeness. So there's something about me that is Christ-like that the world needs. But if I don't know who he is, and I don't know who I am, then I become a schizophrenic Christian. <laughs> and here I am, I'm not making fun of that term. Please hear what I'm not saying. I'm not trying to be irresponsible with that term. But then we bounce from tribe to tribe trying to find out who we are. It's like, in high school, all back again. We don't know who we are, so we go from group to group to group trying to find out who we are. And we got high school Christianity. We have all these mature Christians going from church to church to church trying to find out who they are. (laughs) Well, I was a Baptist, but now I'm Pentecostal. I was Pentecostal, now I'm just non-denominational because that Pentecost scared me a little bit. So I went back to being non-denominational because the domination is kind of really, they mess with me, so I'm going to be non-denomination. It's like we find our identity. We fi- when we don't know our identity, we find our identity in other people. And when other people start defining us, oh boy, outside the one who created you, Man. It's ugly, y'all. It's ugly. And the world's always waiting to define you. How do we know that? Well, look at the marketing. They sell you things according to what you're not. That if you buy it, you become this. Right? You get the Axe bait, and you get the Axe spray, you get the girl. Doesn't work that way, right ladies? I mean, there's some funny commercials on. I mean, it's, it's just hilarious, but it's like, I'm going to sell this to you out of fear of trying to tell you who you are so you'll buy my product so you'll become everything I say you are. It's marketing 101 in the world. Do you see how important identity is? What if church, ecclesia, didn't look like everybody has the same identity. Meaning like we're not going to a church to find our identity in the church, in the name, in the denomination, but we're discovering our identity in Christ, and we're all diversed meaning we all had different assignments, but yet we're a family. I don't know if you caught that. Just catch it. (laughs) And what if God's wanting to change the face and the direction of the church these next 10 years? You know, Mike Bickle said he believed the face of a church was going to change in one generation, and I believe we're at that doorway. why people are leaving church at the, dro- uh, the, the droves. Some of them is because they're hurt, but some of them is because they understand that what we've known to be church, God is doing something different right now. Now, hear what I'm not saying. Can I just be really raw with y'all? There's a term out there that I just cringe, and a younger generation is, is leaving church because they say they're in a deconstruction. I'm sorry. You're not in a deconstruction. You're in a reconstruction. Very different. Because a deconstruction means you dishonor the 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 foundation that fathers and mothers have built that is really kingdom, and you break it all down trying to look for something else. That's a deconstruction. But a reconstruction means I can build upon the foundation. Yet there's some wonky stuff that I don't that God's trying to get out, but I can still keep the foundation and build upon that. (laughs) A reconstruction. Not a de- I, don't, I don't need a deconstruction, my faith. I need a reconstruction because God's doing a renewed thing right now. Not a new thing. He's doing a renewed thing. Oh, boy. So back to it. Here I am. My name is Matt Gonzalez, right? So to say that my identity is only a son and do- a, a daughter is to have the family's name. And if that was enough, then in the Old Testament, when God would show up and change names, he wouldn't change the last name, but he'd change the first name. Oh, I don't know if you got that. He didn't come and change the last name. He came and changed the first name. Why? Because we all have the same jersey with the last name on it. But it's our first name that defines us and brings us destiny. And what I mean by first name, who does God say you are and how does he see you? How did he create you? That's your first name. See what I mean? When you read the Bible, you see son and daughter, you see all these names that we are, but everybody's that. That's your family name. We're all sons and daughters, and that's important. But to discover your personal identity of how God sees you and created you, that's a game changer. Because there's nobody else like you and will never be. And when you discover that, you discover true freedom. So what's happening right now? You guys give me a few more minutes. Yes or no? So this, uh, this afternoon I was sitting on bed just trying to get some thoughts and the uh, Lord just started speaking to me about a scripture and then right here during worship he said turn to Daniel 7 and because I've had I, I have sensed and felt what I feel like the enemy's doing but I haven't had language until now and that's why I don't know what you guys did but keep doing it because y'all created an atmosphere that brought language Daniel 7 is really a prophetic passage. It talks about the future. But one of the things it does, it actually gives, let me read you this before I read that, okay? Let me get you something real quick, okay? We doing good? Just give me a few, a few minutes, a few more minutes. You know, it was Napoleon bon, uh, Bonaparte that said, the object of war is victory, but the object of victory is occupation. So it's not just enough to win a war and have victory. We must enforce the victory by taking occupation, right? You've heard this saying many times, God wants us not to fight for victory, but fight from a place of victory. That's what the cross did, right? So any Many times in the body of Christ, we have a tendency of going to pendulums because of abuses. And when I first came into the kingdom, there was a lot of great teaching taught on spiritual warfare. But the problem was, everything was a demon. And so somebody would step, trip, step their toe. Man, the devil made me do that. No, you are just being clumsy. Right? But everything was a demon. Everything had a demon. People had demons. Everybody was a spirit. And it got to an extreme. So the church, what we try to do, we try to balance it out by going on the other side. And so right now, in the season that we're in, I'm finding that that many churches in our tribe don't have discernment. Because they've lost their foundation of understanding spiritual warfare. And they got away from it. So the discernment muscle is very weak, and so they're not discerning the times and discerning what the enemy's doing. Because our theology now is the goodness of God, so anything that looks evil or looks like warfare or looks like resistance, I can't focus on because they'll take my focus off God's goodness. Rather than God's goodness developing the discernment And, oh, that evil thing over there, if I just touch it, it would become good. Oh, I don't know what you got me. And so we've lacked our discernment muscle. So during this time of pandemic and everything that's going on, tribes have lost their ability to discern. And you lost your ability to discern season and times. And times and seasons. Oh, are you with me right now? And the problem is that how many know scripture is clear that we're in a war. It even goes as far as seeing that you are soldiers. Now, how many know every believer in Christ is a soldier, but that's not only what they are? If you only focus on the soldier if you only focus on the nature of you being a soldier, then you'll fight with everybody. And that's what we do in Christianity many times. We only focus on one side of our nature. We're all soldiers. But if I'm always a soldier, then I'm always looking for a battle. And that's why some believers' marriages are going to hell because they're soldier in their marriage. And they become militant. And I'm looking for a fight rather than becoming a lover. I don't know if you got that. And so we're soldiers, and so what happens is we're in this boxing ring. And, 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 and we have any boxers in here? Okay, do we have anybody that used to like to fight? Okay, good, good, good. So, I'm not alone. So the thing about boxing is that you have to take a position. Because if I'm flat-footed and I get hit, I'm down. But if I take a position, I now can dodge the hit, or I could be in a position to fight back. And what's happening is that many people in the body of Christ have left the foundation and they're flat-footed right now. So when warfare happens, they get knocked on their butt. Now, hear what I'm saying. If I'm in a fight and I'm in a position and I'm aware that I'm in a fight, then when the blow comes, I can have the discernment to see it. But when I say, when I get to the point well, it's just about the goodness of God and that and even, we even have people... Saying that there's no such thing as hell. That the devil was just a figure that he's not really real. And and it's gone to the extreme. <laughs> and it's gone to the extreme. So now believers are getting beat up, and they're in the boxing, ring, and they're thinking like, "Well, who's hitting me?" You're with me, right? It's interesting that in any war, the military trains. It's soldiers on how to win the war, but they do it in three, three ways. Number one, who is the enemy? Who are they fighting against? Number two, where's the battle? What's the fight? What's the terrain? Where's the ground? And number three, what weapons are we going to fight with? Very simple. All right. Who's the enemy? Where's the battle? What are his weapons? Come on. 2 Timothy 2, 3, 4, you therefore must endure hardship as good soldiers of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, but that he may believe him who enlisted them as a soldier. So we're soldiers. Come on, somebody. But our fight's going to look different. <laughs> oh, man, I can feel it right now. How many know in Genesis, the original mandate of the kingdom was to take dominion? Right? Oh, boy, I got, I got to get on this mount. I got to get in this box again. Sorry. But whenever the kingdom message is presented as only taking dominion and dominion by being the best, you now have a kingdom you're building and you're not building with the king because according to when Jesus came, the kingdom looked like serving not dominating. Oh, I don't know if you got that. The seven mountains, right? I got to be on top. Uh, Daniel was at the bottom. Joseph was at the bottom. And so whenever we have a theology, a kingdom theology that's built on elitism, that we must dominate the world, we lose our ability to love because we no longer can serve. We doing all right? Because truth is being released tonight. So let's talk about this real quick, and we're done. So what's the attack right now? I'm glad you asked. Daniel 7 says this, and he will speak against the Most High, talking about God, and wear down the saints of the Most High. Who are the saints of the Most High? Who is that? That's us. We are the saints of the most high. So listen, he will speak against the most high, and he will wear down the saints of the most high, and he will attend to make alterations in times and laws. They will be handed over a time and time and time and a half. This is important because what's happening right now, spiritually, in, in, in the spiritual warfare side of things in the church right now, is that he's wearing the saints and making them weary. Because the moment you become weary, he now can deceive you to change your season. Oh, I don't know if you got that. And then he begins to change your laws. He wears you down to change your timing. And when he changes your season, now your laws begin to change your values that you used to live by. And this is what's happening. I'm going to wear them out with a pandemic. I'm going to wear I'm gonna get them. I'm going to get them so worn out. You know, I, I've talked to more Christians right now. They're not only having sleep problems, but they feel worn out. They're drained emotionally. It's like they're just worn out. They, they can't even fight anymore because they're so worn out. Because he wants to wear you out. I mean, let's think about it. It says that Jesus, I mean, the enemy tempted Jesus and then left him for, it says, for an uh, opportune time. So he's always looking for opportune times to come and attack. Right? He's looking for the opportune time. And when he comes in... He wears you down. Well, how does he wear you down? He accuses you. It's the accusation. It's the thoughts. Because it says he's making accusations. Oh, are you really this? See, God says you're this, but why aren't you seeing any of the fruit of it? Oh, you got that prophetic word, right? But the finances coming in. Yep, you're broke. And he's accusing, and he's accusing, and it begins to wallow in our heads, and we begin to get so worn down by it that we start believing it. We forgot who we were. And we begin to believe it to the point that our direction now is changing. He changes times and seasons. That's what I actually means. That word right there, times and seasons, means the time you're the, the direction that you're heading. And begins to change your directions. And now he begins to change the laws. And it's happening in America right now. We have a weary church that won't fight. And so laws are being changed on our watch. Now, can I tell you something? I, I believe politics has a place in the kingdom, but I believe it's not the full kingdom. So let me explain this. We've made, we've got on our high horse and we've tried to change laws. Yet we don't understand that scripture says he's the prince of the power of the air. Okay, no, no. We're trying to change the laws when he's actually attacking, attacking the air. What does that mean? Prince of the power of the air. He's creating a sound. He creates a sound and he controls minds. He who can control that, he who controls the airways will control the minds. He who controls the minds will control the laws. And we're over here trying to fight warfare to change the laws rather than shifting the atmosphere that will change hearts, that will change the laws. We want abortion to end, but what happens when it ends? Where all the babies going to go? Hear my heart. I'm not not saying like, but I'm just saying we never think. We're we're so caught up on just one cause, but we don't think how do we build next? Who's going to build the orphanages? Who are going to be the families that adopt if abortion ends? We don't think about that. We want to just fight the cause, and we're not thinking like, well, what happens if it actually ends? Want to change the laws? An enemy's wearing us out right now. Oh, boy. Does, it, does this resonate with anybody? Are you sure? <laughs> I love you, Chris. I love when you talk back. And we've got to understand that spiritual conflict, spiritual warfare, warfare often occurs when we're advancing into new territory. So some of the warfare that we're actually experiencing, see, I, let me help you with it, okay. Two types of warfare, dumb, dumb warfare and taking territory warfare. What do I mean by dumb, dumb? Okay, you're a new creation, and you're doing some dumb stuff that you shouldn't be doing. You're opening doors, and now you're being harassed. Stop doing it, right? Dumb, dumb warfare, I call this, this is what I do. I do spiritual checkup. Lord. Is there somewhere where I open the door? Holy Spirit, show me. If I'm having warfare, okay, first thing I do is a spiritual... Like, is there warfare happening because I made a dumb decision? Or I'm being disobedient? Right? Don't hear nothing? Okay, then I know it's not dumb, dumb. Right? Then I know the warfare is happening because I'm about to take new territory. Oh, boy. I don't, I don't know. See, throughout Scripture... Whenever there was new territory, it was inhabited by evil spirits, much like Joshua's promise in the land or Nehemiah building rebuilding the walls. The enemy always defends his territory where he's gained ground. And most Christians are completely unaware that there's a real spirit war happening and they will retreat on the first sign of conflict because they fail to recognize the true source of the battle. See, it is important to understand that evil spirits attack by giving you thoughts, flaming arrows, that are compelling. Or in other words, they make you feel like you want to do it, even though they're opposite to your nature, your identity, and your history. And those same spirits accuse you for having the thoughts and feelings, wears you out. Oh, oh, come on, I hope I'm helping somebody tonight. And if you believe this accusation, you lose confidence in yourself and God's ability to keep you, and you begin to be worn down, and then finally you're worn down until you get depressed, anxiety, you have self-hatred. Uh-uh. He wears you down so that the spirit of depression, anxiety, and self-hatred can to, begin to torment you. See, the war has been won. But when you don't recognize the way he fights the battle and it's not fair, he uses thoughts that are not our own and if you don't resist them. Remember, Paul said our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the powers, against the forces of darkness, against spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Or in other words, because these thoughts... Are manifestations of evil spirits and not just bad ideas. When you decide to resist them, it becomes a struggle, an intense battle for the land and the spirit realm. Most people retreat or digress to try and find a place of peace or solace, instead of pressing in to defeat the enemy to attain their inheritance. Oh. <laughs> See, a few things that we have to remember in these times that evil spirits have no power over you. Okay, I'm going to say that again. If you're a believer in Christ, you, you need to get excited. Really, really excited. I got to give this to you. You ready? They don't have power over you. We have to understand The difference between power and authority. Satan still has power because he's the prince of the power of the air, but he doesn't have authority. Because if he lost his power at the cross, he would be able to use it right now, yet we still have evil in the world. He has power, doesn't have authority. You get authority through your identity. You understand your author and your authorship, you have authority. But well, What he wants to do is deceive you to think you have no authority, so he can use his power. Well, remember, power and authority. Power is the force to rule and reign. Authority is the right to use the power. That's what the definitions mean. I hope you know that. So, he doesn't have power, but he does have authority. And he can't exercise his power over you unless you forget your authorship, and have a door. Remember, dum-dum. And we open it up. Come on, somebody. So this is the way, this is how we war. This is what's happening right now. It says we're warring against rulers. Do you know that word ruler means preaching preaching principles that are contrary to the prince of peace in Ephesians 6.10. Finally, brother, says, be strong in the Lord and straight of his might, put on the full armor, guys, so that you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not flesh and blood, but rulers. The word ruler comes from the Greek word that's rooted in principles. It means war over ideas. So there's a there's a principality that's actually using ideas, principles, oh, and shoots those principles into people's mind. See, the Greek word for ruler means beginning and origin, principality, preaching. The Greek word ruler is also translated as first preaching. We see it in Philippians four fifteen. You yourself. Also, know that Philippians, that are the first preaching of the gospel. Now, first preaching also means it means ruler. Are, are you, you following me? So, there are rulers, there are powers, there are world forces of darkness, spiritual wickedness, and the heaviness. And we can go, I mean, each one of those we can break down, but for time's sake, we don't have. But I gotta give you this the battles against the mind. Second Corinthians 10. Three says, for though we walk in the flesh, we not war according to the flesh. Mick, can we just meditate on that? Why are there so many churches trying to fight the fleshly war right now? Because they got political. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> it got quiet in here. Because they're trying to find it politically because they gave up their kingship. Okay, can I say something? If your dad's a king and you're a king, when you don't take your place to be a king, then you'll rely for somebody else to be a king for you. That's what happened in the Old Testament. God wanted to be with his people, but they wanted a king, so God goes, I'm going to give you what you desire. It could it be that we, the church, have not taken our position to do what we need to be doing in this hour, so we've relied on the political fear, figure to do it for us? It's the Old Testament all over again. We're not going to use our voice, and we're not going to be the kings that we need to be, so we're going to wait for another earthly king, like an Old Testament, to lead us. And so when the king... Is taken away, we now have a crisis. Remember, I said last night, you may have a crisis, but the kingdom of God is never in crisis. Oh. Oh. I'm sorry, I don't mean to step on toes tonight, but I believe in healing. Come on, for though we walk in the flesh, we not walk according to the flesh, right? We don't war according to the flesh, for our weapons are not of flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculation and every lofty thing that raises up against the knowledge of God, and we're taking every thought captive to the beat of Christ. That word speculation, oh boy, we're about to get some freedom right now. The word speculation is reasonings. It's what ifs. That's what it means. So the way speculations attack you is they get your mind racing to all the what-ifs. And you think they're your what-ifs, but it's actually a thought, a fiery that came to you, and you're sitting in your bed at night, can't sleep, because you're thinking about all the what-ifs that are going to happen. If, if, what, what about the future? What about this? What about that? And you're dealing with the speculation, but you don't recognize it. See, can I tell you something? We have to make sure that reason isn't taking the place of revelation. In this season, because I have, a, I see a bunch of Christians living according to reason because they left revelation. (laughs) How about lofty things? These are exalted and raised up, and these are these ideas that seem like they're more powerful than God. Lofty things. That's what it says right here. That's what it actually means. And then you got Thoughts. Thoughts are mindsets. They're POWs. They're mindsets. And the Greek word destroy means to take down, to pull down, to bring down, to destroy, to dethrone. So we got to prepare our mind for war. Can I tell you, I want to set somebody free here tonight. Temptation is not Sin. Religion will teach you the opposite. Temptation is not sin. (laughs) Hebrews 4.15, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are yet without sin. Oh, I don't know if you got that. Oh, this is a delicious meal right here. Thank you. We're going to feast on this. For we do not have a high priest, talking about Jesus, who cannot sympathize with our weakness. But one who has been tempted in all things as we are yet without sin. See, I'm not defined by the temptation. I am not defined by the de- the temptation I resist. I'm defined by the virtues I embrace. I heard Chris Valentin say one time, I can only be tempted by something I have a natural appetite for. <laughs> Ouch. So spiritual conflict. let's talk about this. I'm going to give you five practical things, and we're done. I believe what's happening right now is, is really there's a, there's a map right now. We could call it to Nehemiah. When any enemy attacked Nehemiah for taking ground and rebuilding the walls. You know what I love about Nehemiah? Can I tell you? Is that all right? Because I'm going into anyway. I find this fascinating about Nehemiah. I got to give this to you real quick. I love Nehemiah. and I believe this is really, you know, the walls of protection of the city had been torn down for 152 years, right? And the Israelites tried and gave their best efforts for 70 years to try to rebuild the walls, and they could not. Yet Nehemiah shows up, took personal responsibility. See, people want an anointing, but they don't want to take personal responsibility. But in the kingdom, you take personal responsibility, God gives you an anointing. Nehemiah takes personal responsibility and in 52 days did what the Israelites could not do in 70 years. I don't know if you got that. And yet he knew nothing about walls. He knew nothing about rebuilding walls. Did you get that? So what does that mean for us right now? Well, I'm going to read you a passage of Nehemiah. I want to ask you to go home at some point and I want you to meditate on this because this is so, so key. You ready? Nehemiah 4.1. Now it came about that when Sandoval heard that he was rebuilding the walls, he became furious and very angry and mocked the Jews. And he spoke in the presence of his brothers and wealthy men of Samaria and said, What are these feeble Jews doing? Are they going to restore it for themselves? Can they offer sacrifices? Can they finish in a day? Can they revive the stones from the dusty rubble, even the burned ones? Now, Tobiah, the Amorite, was near him and said, even what they are building, if a fox should jump on it, he would break it down the wall. So we understand the way the enemy attacks when we take ground right here. Right? You ready? Look at what was the questions that were asked. Number one. What are these feeble Jews doing? He attacks your person and who you are. Who do they think they are? First attack when you're taking around. Second thing, you ready for this? Are they going to restore it for themselves? Or, in other words, he attacks our motives. Why do you want to go there? Why do you want to start that business? Why? Why do you want to do this? Third thing attack. We see it right here. You ready? The question was, can they offer sacrifice? So when he does, he attacks who we are, he attacks our motives, and he attacks our relationship with God. Did God really say? Did God say? Or is that you just making it up? Remember two years ago when Matt came and gave you a word from heaven? Was that really God or was that just Matt? (laughs) The fourth thing, can they revive the stones from the dusty rebels? What does that attack? He attacks our ability to accomplish our mission and our destiny. He attacks our ability to accomplish, accomplish the mission or our, identity, or our destiny. You can't do it. You're not qualified enough. You're too old. You're too old. You could have did that 10 years ago, 15 years ago, but now you can't. Yet we fail to realize in the kingdom that Nehemiah did something in 52 days. We forget that the God is the God of acceleration and he's the God of suddenlies. He don't need your permission or your years. He can do it suddenly. See, God wants to give you a suddenly that will break the sudden lies. (laughs) And lastly, the attack. If a fox should jump on it, it will fall down. He begins to attack the quality of your ministry and life. Your job, your ministry, whatever it is, uh, it's not good enough.
0: <laughs>
1: yep. Nope, 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 nope. Everybody's going to abandon you because you got anger issues. <laughs> and all these attacks wear you out so he can change your direction. And that's what's happening to many people in the body of Christ, they've been so worn out. Because these attacks are attacking them, and they're going and starting to head in a different direction that God doesn't want them to go. So, what's, what, what's the answer, man? I'm glad you asked. It's something that I'm learning the hard way because when you're a go getter and you're a builder, you don't want to rest. But you don't realize that sometimes you need to rest. Because the best strategy in warfare is from a place of rest. Because if he's trying to wear you out, then what happens if you actually rest on Papa's lap? And can I tell you, rest in the kingdom is not sometimes like for me, the Lord said, I'm going to have you stop traveling. But rest in the kingdom is a posture that we're so caught up in his peace. It's not that we don't. It's not that, I want to make sure I say this right. Rest is not doing something, right? We're not promoting laziness. But sometimes rest is being obedient to what if you says stop doing something, well, you have no other option, right? You're going to rest. You know, I, I've, I've, just be real transparent with you. The enemy's really attacked me because I have felt so guilty because in this season of not traveling, I've been spending some time with family. I've also been playing some video games. <laughs> At home playing video games. I'm not kidding. And I've, I've felt so guilty about it. And the Lord goes, no, this is part of your rest because I'm teaching you something. I got a prophetic word the other day. You know the video game you like playing? You know why that's happening? Because God's giving you Strategy. He's reminded you, because one of the video games, I, the only video I'm playing right now is this Major League Baseball game. I love it. And the other day I had an encounter playing it where God's reminding me of my days of catching. And I started seeing how a catcher is a builder of the team. And there's things in the area of catching that I'm learning that I didn't learn from Bible college, but I'm learning right now in the spirit. And he's using a video game. That sounds weird. But I'm like, man, I was dealing with guilt and shame. And part of the reason I was dealing with guilt and shame is because sometimes, in, in, uh, earlier I walked with God, I had some addictions. And when you don't get to the root of addictions, you'll use other things. You'll find other things to get addicted to. And so, like, you could have somebody who's addicted to pornography but don't get to the root of it, and so their addiction now moves to video games. Oh, I don't know if you got that. And so, if you don't know you're a new creation and that you're no longer that person, and you go back to something, not pornography, but you go back to, like, maybe video games, you're like, oh, man, is the old man back? But God's saying, no, you're a new creation. I'm actually trying to give you a strategy, and I told you the rest. Uh, is this helping anybody? See, sometimes rest looks like doing something that you're like, man, I don't know if I have permission to do, like go on a vacation. You know, uh, I, I've heard Des said this so many times, and she'll probably say it better than I. But for, for many years, when she was trying to hear the voice of God, she would do what has been modeled in church but it never really spoke to her. And so one of the ways she begins to hear God is when she does something creatively. Like for me, I start hearing God, whether it's like, like, if I get into a worship time, I start hearing God. But worship to her looks like maybe doing something creatively around the house. I don't know if you got that. And so if she only is held down to the way that I hear God, then she's going to not hear God because she's not learning the way that she hears God, right? But for so many years in the church where we kind of grew up, it was taught like this is the only way you can hear God. You have to go in your prayer closet and turn worship on and sit there until you hear like all the worship. And I'm not saying that she's not a worship. She loves worship, but that's not the way God speaks. God speaks to her during the area of creativity, So she starts building, doing projects around the house, and she starts getting this crazy revelation, and she shares it with me. I'm like, man, I'm like, this is wild. Like, I do anything creative around the house, I don't hear nothing. (laughs) Right? So I say that because maybe your breakthrough right now is going to come by you doing something that you desire and passionately love that you've denied for so long, yet God is saying, hey, I'm waiting to meet you there. But because of religion, you've been forced to think like, oh, man, I can't hear God in that. Amen? We're done. I feel that. Close your eyes. Can I have somebody come up and play? That'd be all right. Lord. (laughs) You're so amazing, God. Oh, we so love you, Lord. Wow, you're so amazing. I want to do something right now. I feel like I need to do it. I want everybody to close their eyes. The most powerful nation in the world is an imagination. Oh, I don't know if you got that. The most powerful nation in the world is the imagination. God gave every person an imagination because it's actually one of the tools that he communicates through to us. And saying that, I want to do something right now. I want you to keep your eyes closed. And in your imagination, I want you to picture you're at a lake standing on the dock right now. Okay. I want you to picture that you're standing in a lake or at a lake and you're on a dock. And as you're standing on the dock, you're looking out in the middle of the lake and you see this figure coming towards you. Can you picture that? And as a figure is walking towards you, you realize they're walking on water. And out from a distance, as it gets closer and closer, you realize it's Jesus. Do you see him? He's walking towards you. And as he's walking towards you, he's carrying a gift that's wrapped with a bow. <laughs> Do you see his face? Do you see his eyes? And he's coming closer. Now he's standing before you. Now I don't want you to answer this out loud, but do you see his face? Do you see the look on his face? Towards you, do you see his eyes? Now he has a gift. And he's giving it to you. I want you to open it up. And I don't want you to speak out loud, but what is it? What is he giving you? I want you to see it. What is it that he gave you? <laughs> Now keep your eyes closed. I want you to look into his eyes and I want you to ask him this. I want everybody just to ask out loud God, how do you see me? And I want you to wait. Ha ha ha. Now I want you to ask him another question. Say, Jesus, what is it that you like about me? And I want you to wait as he speaks to you. <laughs> Now, all across this room right now, as you're standing before him, I want you to keep your eyes closed. If you're here right now and you would say, I am weary, it says that we could come to him, those who are weary, and receive rest. So this is what I want you If you're weary, I want you to say, Jesus, I'm weary, and I'm standing before you. I need your rest. Will you give me your rest? And I want you to pay attention to what he says to you after that or what he does to you or for you. And I want you to receive that right now. <laughs> the yoke of weariness is coming off you right now. He's taking the yoke of weariness and he's replacing it with his yoke and his burden, which is light and not heavy. That's why during worship when we began It wasn't fire last night. Like last night, last night was fire. But many times, God will show the theme of his nature that he wants to manifest during worship. I picked up on that because he said, I want to come as comforter, I want to come as peace. (laughs) Because he knew that there are many in this room tonight, you're battle weary. You're weary. You need direction. You need understanding. He says, you know what? I'm going to manifest as my nature, as comfort, as peace, as wind. So in the presence of God right now, just receive. Wherever you're at, just receive. Let him minister to you. Let him bless you. Let him speak to you. <laughs> hmm. Bodies are being healed in this moment from the weariness. Chemicals within the brain that have been lacking are being recreated because of your weariness right now. Necks, back, headaches, tension headaches right now. I see them leaving off people's minds and heads right now. Jaws are being healed from grinding the teeth because of stress that night. TMJ is being healed right now. A grinding of the teeth at night because you've been so worried and stressed and under speculation that you've grinded your teeth. It's being healed right now. I see traumatic events that have happened within the last several years being released from the mind and from the hearts and from the emotions right now. <laughs> See somebody who's, who is in a car accident that caused a lot of fear. Deliberating. Oh, man. Whew. Fear that's tormented. There is also a back injury with that. God is healing right now. He's breaking the fear. He's healing the back. He's healing the neck. In Jesus' name. Oh, it's getting stronger. His peace is getting stronger. His wind, the winds of heaven, the swirlings are in this room right now. That's not air conditioner. I know the difference. Air conditioner can't bring me peace. But when his winds are here, I feel his peace. Just receive right now. Receive from him. Hmm. Hmm. There's a rejuvenation upon bodies right now. Some of you guys have been running so hard, become so weary. I see God healing knees, and backs, and legs, and hips. Some of you, he's, putting the, he's pushing the reset button on your metabolism. <laughs> Lord, I want that. Whew. See God pushing the reset button. For some of you right now in this room, even at a, fig, even at a physical and cellular level, he's restoring the years of what the locusts, Ate up because he's the God, he's the redeemer, he's a restorer. It's happening in this room right now. Father, I declare every voice that is not your voice would be silenced right now upon your sons and daughters. And I declare in this moment and from this day forth in this season, I declare, it's like I saw God reach down and there was like a, I see like a a volume on your heart. And so, Father, I ask that you would turn up the volume of your voice in their life in this season where it feels like you've been silent. I pray that your sons and daughters would recognize the language in which you're speaking to them in this season. So I ask for the grace and the anointing for eyes to see and ears to hear how you're speaking and what you're saying in this season, even if it was different for us in past seasons. Lord, we want to recognize and hear your voice because we want to be so in sync with who you are. Some of you have been waiting on man to give you permission, and God says, I've already given you permission. And I feel like in this moment, some of you guys are going to begin to have the sudden revelation that He's given you permission, and you're going to start to go. You're going to start to build because you've been waiting on the permission of man when God says, I've given you permission. That's good enough and all you need. <laughs> wow. He's good. Whew, he is so good. Let me get your attention real quick. I mean you guys feel rejuvenated, feel refreshed. And maybe you're not, maybe you didn't see nothing, maybe you didn't hear nothing, but guess what? We're in the atmosphere. He's here. You can just receive. <laughs> yes 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 wow
0: <laughs>
1: how you doing what's your first name mary mary you are So precious to Jesus. Wow. Wow. Could I pray for you? Would that be all right? Can I grab your hand? You could just stay seated. God would stop the service and say, This is my Mary. (laughs) This is my Mary. (laughs) This is my Mary. Mary. And I've seen the pain, (laughs) I've seen the loss. I've seen everything that you've experienced. And I say this day, the Lord's saying this day, Mary, I'm your healer. I'm your protector. I'm your provider. You're my precious Mary. You're my precious Mary. Who I am so in love with. The Lord's healing you right now. I see him healing your heart. I saw your heart broken into little pieces, and I see the Lord picking up the pieces of your heart and healing them. But I'm also aware that he's healing your body in three different areas right now. Now, I'm not quite sure what those areas are, but I know there's healing in three different areas. So, Father, I release the healing virtue of Christ. I saw God's hand come upon your back, Mary. And I just see healing going through your body, a rejuvenation, a refreshing, as a sign to you of not just how much he loves you, but how much he's jumping into the arena of your life in this season because of the last five years, the things that you've had to experience that have been so hard and so overbearing. But God says, daughter, I'm going to restore to you what the five years have taken from you instantly. And so I'm going to pray over you. Father, I declare that the burden and yoke of the last five years that have been weighing on her would be lifted right now. And from the soles of your feet to the crown of your head, I also speak to your body. Be made whole in Jesus' name. Wow, 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 wow. <laughs> he is so good. Daddy, <sighs> he's so good. My brother back there, you have a yellow shirt on. How you doing? What's your first name? Austin? Oh man. You're amazing, dude. I don't know if you know how amazing you are, but Father thinks you're so amazing. Could I could I encourage you? That'd be all right? Just encourage you with what he's saying. Would that be all right? You open to that. Um yeah, wow. <laughs> Man, you are amazing, seriously. I just, you know, yeah, you are amazing, dude. God's about to do something on your behalf that neither your background nor your education could have got you into a place of influence. He said, You're not to doubt Him in this season for the enemy's been working overtime to get you to doubt yourself. And he's tried to rob you of confidence, and he's tried to rob you of your history. But God's saying, this is my son. I'm stepping into the arena of his life, and I'm about to bring him into a place of influence and promotion that neither his background nor his education could have got him there because I want him to know that he's my son and I would do anything for my son. So I want to encourage you, Austin, because you're about to come into a season where your influence is going to increase because he's promoting you to a place where that you're going to finally be able to be a blessing to so many others because you've had a heart, not only for family, but you have a heart for the underdog. You've always had a heart for the underdog. Even growing up, you've always had a heart for the underdog. And you've always fought for those who could not fight for themselves. Now we're saying, son, I'm going to give you a place of influence that you now can fight for those who can't fight for themselves. I'm going to give you a place of influence that those who don't have a voice will get their voice back because I'm setting them a deliverer named Austin. <laughs> and he's going to know I am with him. I want to encourage you like Moses Jesus showed up to Moses, and the first side of his nature that he revealed to Moses was, I am. And God says, in this season, you're going to understand his nature of the great I am. Because everything you need, he is in this season. So, could I pray for you? That'd be all right? I'm going to grab your hand. (laughs) You're amazing, dude. You rock more than you understand. Father, I thank you for Austin. I thank you that you are about to do something so radical in his life that neither his background or his education or his upbringing could have brought him here, but only God. And Lord, I thank you that every attack of the enemy against his mind to self-doubt, <laughs> to bring discouragement, to cause him to question even some decisions in this season. Specifically doing with direction and destiny. It's almost like every time in the last three years that you've taken two steps, something would happen, you'd have to take three steps back. And then you would take two steps forward, and then something would happen, you'd have to take five steps back. And then you would take four steps forward, and then six steps back. It's almost like every time you've put your hand something, it seems like you've had delay. And God says, delay is enough. And it's almost like in this season, the enemies got you to question yourself and question who you are because it feels like a demotion. But God says, son, you feel like you're going backwards, but you don't see the sling I have around your waist. And where you think it's a demotion, it's actually your launching. You're in my slingshot, and I'm about to shoot you out into the world, into a place of influence. So, Father, I declare right now great grace come upon him for the assignment of this season. And I bless your body, your mind, your soul, and your spirit. And I declare in the next several weeks that God would begin to encounter you like no other. That he would begin to give you vivid dreams at night. And you know they would be invitation And in God. You would know by when you wake up in the morning that God spoke to me. I declare divine assignments of men of God that would put in his direction that would speak the word of the Lord and encourage him in the season, like signpost. I pray that the impossible in his life, Lord, that you're going to answer those impossibilities with signs and wonders, because where he's taking you, he's going to enlarge your faith, because you're going to need it. So, Father, let it be so. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, come on. And I don't don't know what this is, but I see you surrounded with a group of young people. And there's something about young people surrounding you, and I feel like it's because God is going to begin to raise you up as a father to the fatherless. And I saw you mentoring the fatherless, and I saw them becoming some of the greatest businessmen on the face of this earth, But they would have never become businessmen if you have not been a father in their life. And so I see like these young people that have been fatherless. I said, God, sending you the fatherless. Because you are going to father hope in them. And belief in them. That they were actually going to believe that they were created for a reason. And find their purpose. So Father, let it be so in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys just, let's just give it up for Jesus tonight. Come on. Let's just worship him right now. Come on. No, 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 no. Come on. You need to praise him and worship him and thank him because he's good. He's worthy. He's worthy. There's none like him. He's worthy. No pandemic, no political crisis, no financial crisis can stop his love and provision to you. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's King of kings and Lord of lords. He's Jesus. <laughs> and we thank him. And we love you, Lord. We love you, Papa. <laughs> Turn over to you, Chris.
0: He's good. Um, first and foremost, Austin. I didn't tell him one thing about you. He does not know anything at all from me, brother. I want to make that very clear. Can we all stand real quick? Matt, you've been up, so you can stay seated if you want. No. Um, I want to circle back just a couple of things real quick that the Lord was speaking to you. Right before you, when you we're starting to close there and you started talking about, uh, you started hitting those verses about the burden and weariness. The Lord was over there t- telling me about, uh, "do not grow weary in doing good. Um, and, uh, and then you just tied all that right in. Um, for those of us that are, this is your home, that we're family, we're family, right? That's, that's the one thing we push more than anything. And that's the one thing we care most about is that we, we are family, and Raquel makes it pretty clear all the time. She says how much, you know, she loves me, but she doesn't always like me. Because family is not easy, but family is true. Amen? And so we're going to have differences, we're going to have disagreements, and we're going to have things that we have to work through, and problems and issues, and that's what family is. It's what family does. We work through it. You can't change who you're... I love what you said about your last name. It's your nature. You, Man, we're all sons and daughters. And if you're called here, you're called to family. If you're partnering with us, you're partnering with family. And the part about the attack, and I just want to say um, uh, that you're speaking to our church, brother. You're speaking to our our community of what we've been going through. And I want to say specifically and publicly that Lydia and James... Uh, Thuman, they, you know, there was an attack against you guys from Satan directly uh, just a couple, few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago or whatever. And, and uh, James, I want to specifically say to you that the names that were said towards you, uh, I want you to know that those are lies. And you know that, but you need to hear that. Those are lies against you. They don't stick to you. We break that off away from you in the name of Jesus. Because that's not who you... You never were those things that were said to you that night. You, You never were those. But just in case the fiery dark just keeps sticking, we break that off in Jesus' name, man. That's not who you are. That's not who you are, man. And our family is going to continually come under fights and attacks. And I didn't like to fight, but I had to fight. I was one of like, it felt like 30 kids, white kids in an all-black school, man. I mean, I learned the first day that there was some differences there. And uh, I didn't like to fight. And I didn't go looking for it. But you had to. One thing about fighting is uh, some people don't fight smart. And uh, they let the whole gas tank go real quick. And those are the easy fights because you just got to last just a little bit. And then you can just knock them right out, man. It's beautiful. I think I actually do like to fight, actually. <laughs> I actually did. I was in martial arts for a while, and I traveled around competing and stuff with, you know, full contact and stuff, and it, uh, I did love it, actually. Um, but the one thing is, is that you, <laughs> you have to have the mindset, you, right here, that we are in a fight. We are in a war. We do stand as kings and sons and daughters. That's who we are. Our father is the king, right? The battle is already won. The victory is ours. We own it. It is ours, but we still have to get in the ring and go some rounds. And that's why when that kind of stupidity comes at you, like, like what that came at you, James and Lydia, we're going to have to stand in those moments and you just got to keep swinging. That's it. And you have your family right here to protect and fight with you. We're fighting for Roger right now. That junk is an attack. We're fighting for Roger. and We gotta keep fighting, right? Because family watches out and takes care of family, amen? Man, Raquel and I could not be honored with a better family. If you're visiting with us or you're watching on YouTube or listening to this on the podcast, uh, man, family is everything. Because the kingdom, that's the model it's after. Uh, man, we would love to have more people partner with us to change the community around us because the rest of our family's out here just waiting on us, right? Man, I hope you're encouraged tonight with what Matt brought. Um, man, there was a, he covered so much good stuff, man. That, Man, when this comes out, go back and listen to it. It'll be a few days. It'll come back out and just listen to it and just take these nuggets, man. It's good stuff. And don't forget, um, we do want to honor Matt and Dez. They flew over here from California, trying to keep them here permanent, but that's not happening yet. They they got to go back. I mean, it is what it is. Uh, but we do want to honor them uh, at the end of this weekend. So if you can just ask the Lord about about giving and, and what that would look like. There's some offering plates back there on the sound booth. Uh, we have the Church Center app if you want to give. There's a a tab on there uh for um guest speaker and you can just give there uh if you got any questions on that just come and see us afterwards but man thank you all for hanging out so long listen if you need if you need some ministry tonight if you need some prayer for something we're here we're not we're not like you know three hymns and we're done uh and you know we don't give you the boot we're here so please if you need ministry tonight you just need you need prayer for something specific just come up front here and grab us. We love you all. God bless. Yes, you going to do one more thing? Okay, just one more thing yes. I, I can't shake
1: it. I was going to wait. But I, my sister right here, you have the black shirt on. How you doing? Yes. Hey, I saw the name Krista over your head. And I'm like, what does that mean? And so I looked up the name meeting, and it means chosen one. So I asked the Lord why you wanted to point her out and let her know she's a chosen one. And this is what he began to say. He said, you've experience the sting of religion and you've had those in church hurt you so bad that they did this to you but God said my daughter who's my chosen one tonight I'm opening my arms and I'm saying where the body of Christ has done this tonight I'm doing this and I saw him healing your heart And unraveling it and untangling it. And I heard Papa say this Please forgive my ignorant bride that caused you so much harm and so much pain. It is not what I desired and it is not what I wanted for your life. But I'm saying, Daughter, you are my chosen one. And the reason this is so important is because you hate religion. You've hated it, you've always hated it. And that's why God's saying, I'm going to heal your heart. Because I'm giving you an authority to break the religious spirit. I'm going to put you in places where there's been sons and daughters that have been hurt by church. I see pastor's kids, missionary kids that have been so hurt by church, but I see you coming alongside. And this is what I see. It's a prophetic picture for you. When they came to arrest Jesus... Peter said, no, you're not taking my Jesus and took out the sword and cut off Malchius's ear. But Jesus rebuked him and said, you do not know what you're doing. And he picked up Malchius's ear and put it back on. And I heard the Lord say, he's given you the assignment to put the ears back on those who have been stung by religion that they would hear God again. And so there's a prophetic destiny on your life. First Corinthians chapter 12 talks about nine gifts of the Spirit. The gift of prophecy is strong in you and it's developing even more. But God's going to cause you to go to the hurting that have been hurt by church to pick up their ears and put them on back so they would hear God again. And God's saying, daughter, this is what I'm doing for you tonight. I'm going to put your ears back on that you would not hear the religious sting, but you would hear my voice. And so what's your first name? Michelle, does any of this make sense to you at all? Does God know you? Well, Michelle, God loves you so much that He would say, okay, I was going to stop the service, but I see my daughter. She can't leave without the breakthrough. So I'm going to stop service because this is how much she means to me. So, Michelle, I stand. I'm a leader in the body of Christ. I'm a former pastor. And as a former pastor, those who hurt you may never come before you, but tonight before this congregation, I stand in the gap. And I say, please forgive me for all the hurt, all the pain, all the rejection, all the lies, all the rumors, all the backstabbing. I stand in the gap and I say, please forgive me. Tonight, there's healing coming to your house. There's healing coming to your house because you're here tonight. There's healing coming to your heart. You're not overlooked, but God says you've been chosen. And so I bless you right now, Michelle, your body, mind, soul, and spirit with the shalom of heaven in Jesus name.
0: Amen. Amen. Woo! That's our dad, man. And if you'll see me, Michelle, if you'll see me after service, I'll get that for you. I have recorded that for you. Austin, I got yours recorded. And Mary, I have yours, so I'll get those to y'all. Amen. He's a good God. Amen. Yeah. You blessed? Feel good? Ready to go out and fight? <laughs> Not each other. Raquel, you, you, you heard that, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> Amen. Man, Father, we just thank you so much for your goodness for your love, for your words, for your just your specific love, God, for us and your goodness. We just thank you tonight. We thank you for Matt, for his word. We thank you for his family. We thank you for clarity and vision. Uh, and Lord, I thank you as leaders here. Raquel and I thank you for what you're doing right now and for where this is going to shift the gear for us again and where this is going to send us as a community and as a family. Man, God, thank you so much. And I pray for that strength that Matt talked about in the middle of the fight that we're in for each individual family, for each individual person here tonight. I pray specifically for the strength to continue the strength to throw that burden your way and to continue to walk in the love and the power that you bring God. We just thank you tonight. You're just amazing. You're good. And we thank you for what you're doing in the mighty, mighty name of your son in Jesus name. Amen.